I spent much of this week in Arizona with a group of Maryland students. Of course, we visited the Grand Canyon, one of my favorite sites. Just as a thought experiment, imagine that I would return from this trip and spread negative perspectives about the canyon. You know, the line to enter the park was exceedingly long, some of the shuttle routes were closed, and those still operating mandated mask wearing, even for vaccinated riders. The trail we hiked was littered with mule excrement. Those listening to this litany of complaints might consider me small-minded or ungrateful, but surely they could not regard me as morally lacking. Yet this is precisely the scenario we encounter in our Torah portion. When 10 of the 12 spies return from their reconnaissance mission with pessimistic reports, they are censured harshly, and the entire generation is prevented from entering the land. What could be so objectionable about slandering an unfeeling, inanimate, geographic location? Rabbi Shimon Schwab offers a fascinating perspective, exploring why, in last week's parsha, Miriam could have possibly deemed it acceptable to speak ill of her holy brother Moshe. He explains that she may have considered him so elevated that the slander wouldn't bother him. Her mistake lay in not appreciating that Moshe represented God in this world. By disparaging him, she inherently impugned the divine. Similarly, although the physical land of Israel is not subject to emotional humiliation, its status as God's home means that denigrating it is a direct affront to him. For this reason alone, we must consider carefully our words as directed towards the Holy Land, especially in public forums. We risk grave chilul Hashem, desecration of God's name, should we fail. The Talmud recounts a charming anecdote of great sages' behavior in Israel. Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi would stand and pass from a sunny spot to a shady one, and from a shady spot to a sunny one, so that they would always sit in comfort and never have cause to remark that they were uncomfortable in Eretz Yisrael. If we read carefully, the Talmud is not telling us that there were no places of discomfort to be found there. Rather, these rabbis elected to focus only on its positive elements. When faced with Israel's myriad divine blessings and its inevitable flaws, given that it is populated and governed by human beings, we can choose to emphasize the good. This does not mean that we should turn a blind eye to shortcomings we observe or refrain from improving the society. It does mean that we ought to be extremely measured in our critique and reflect carefully as to whether we sufficiently weigh the immense good. As journalist Mati Friedman has expounded outstandingly, an excellent indicator can be whether we, or those we are reading, apply a double standard in relation to the world's single Jewish homeland. The Torah, then, is not advocating naivete, but rather invoking the supremacy of Ayin Tova, a good eye towards God's most concentrated spiritual abode, so to speak, and our people's sacred space of both history and destiny. Shabbat Shalom.